I wanted to be a multimillionaire. I want to be the judge of how successful or unsuccessful I'm going to Take be. Take control of your life. I meant the hustle was still in me. Before we got before we got started, you said a, you, you asked a, um, a question. I think that's so important. That's so powerful. Is this a safe space? And let me tell you what I get from that question, and then you know, go into your thing. What I mean by that? Let me let me get to what I. So it is a safe place, and what I mean by yes, yes, it's a safe place because my goal for this show is to or not was to is to whatever you know, i'm not mm-hmm. the most scholar guy in here, no but it's your verb cr- sir yeah what yeah. is it v- verb subject agreement might be a little off yeah, on yeah. that it's but it's all off. good um <laughs> my my goal is to bring value my goal is to bring value to people that's in the mud that's tr- that's working on figuring out how to get out the mud got it so when you when when i speak with guys that are um mud guys mm-hmm. or girls or gals um that is that that's been through a season in their life that they could share their testimony to give the other person that's going through the mud right now and give them a little tips and trick mm-hmm. i think that's where that that's what this platform is for but it's definitely a, a, a open platform where we discuss we discuss life experiences trial and error and the good the bad the success the low times Beautiful. Or, i love know, that and ultimately, I want to give value, man. So that's Listen, what this platform I think, is for. And I want to say, firstly, thank you, too. You know, Hustler's testimony um, for me means a lot. Um, the word hustler means a lot to me, and the word testimony means a lot to me. Um, but I also believe that the value of being someone who originated out of the mud is sometimes, you know, even when you, you, you use the word season, which I appreciate, um, and I think that what people have to understand is that seasons come back around again. Mm-hmm. So just because you come out the mud one time, don't think that you may not ever find yourself back in that mud. Um, yeah, so i um, excited that I can just share, you know, my story and my testimony. And uh, hopefully God, you know, spare me, uh, you know, going back into that mud. And if he do, you know, I just pray that I don't go too deep. I, 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 don't, I don't drown, you know, maybe get have a straw in my mouth. I can... <laughs> Right, you know what right. I'm saying? And then I catch some air uh, because that's what it is. It's just a suffocating experience uh, when you're there. Where, where do you get that from? So it sounds, what, I, what I'm hearing is um, your foundation um, is solid. You know, where do you get that stability from? Where did you create those standards? <clears throat> like who who instilled in you this foundation? Great, great question. Um Earlier, we were using the word resources, right? Um, and I think that for me, I had the resources of both parents to begin with. Um, my story isn't the single mother raised me by myself story. Um, my father, um, for me, a hero, my mother, equally a hero. Um, they instilled this within me. Um, maybe it was the fact that I was a, um, for them, they had me later in life. So um, 
having an older sibling who is 16 years older than I am. I'm the baby, and then I have an Irish twin sister. So her and I came at the latter part of my parents. Excuse uh, my, um, what is an Irish twin sister? Well, from what I've been told, you know, uh, someone within that one year of a sibling with under that year range. Okay. So my sister and I, we're less than a year apart. Okay. Um, but she's older than me. Oh, yeah, I get it. You know what I mean? So mom and dad waited 16 years, dropped her, then dropped me. Um, so maybe possibly having them later in life after they had reached a certain age range and, uh, you know, stature within the community. My father was a, um, an entrepreneur in every sense. Um, he owned Jimmy Taylor and Stun and son Stucco. So I grew up watching him build, watching him put things together, watching him manage crews. My mother was a restaurant, uh, tier, uh, and worked in hospitality for a long time began in McDonald's and fast food and then transitioned into upper level of hotel management. By the age of 16, I was working for her, my sister, my homeboys, people in the community, anybody who can get a job um, and who was a good worker, um, they provided opportunity. So I, I, I was raised within a, a tribe of <clears throat> dad managing, you know, projects, building, having managing crews, mom, as she ascended, she reached back and she would put me on, my sister on, all of our friends uh, worked with us, um, you know, in the hospitality, uh, you know, housemen, I'm stripping beds, I'm making up beds, I'm running towels, I'm working in the front, at the front desk. Every, before I was 18 years old, I had already had experience in three to four different departments in a major corporation from a hospitality uh, perspective. So you being a mud boy, let's call it that, mm -hmm. you know, being the guy, some of the guys that made it out the mud and understand how to function in the mud. What are some of the skill set you believe you learned from your parents from as business owners? And I'm, and I'm more talking about like the survival, you know, some, not, not just the business well, sense. So what you see here, you know, of course, I can I can put it on. Right. You know, I can dress it up formal throw some cash on and be comfortable within my skin. That began with, you know, my parents at a very young age. I've been wearing bow ties since the second grade. My mom um, was also a seamstress, so she would make some of our clothes. There was a portion of life where that was the hilarious thing, where you would come to school and show up and, ah, oh, look like your mama made that. <laughs> yeah, she that did. Serious. Yeah, she really did, right? Um, so, you know, went through that. But in that, one of the earliest parts of my upbringing was my grandfather. My grandfather used to travel around the community. He used to, um, um, this is just one part of what he did. He had about a four foot stick, five foot stick with a big long nail at the end. Every day throughout the, what I can remember of his life, he would travel around the neighborhood picking up cans, had a nail at the bottom of that, of that stick, and he would just walk around the community picking up cans. So one day he took me with him. I may be about, about, nine, 10 years old. And I go with him. And before I know it, we don't walk all over the, you know, the town. I'm from a small city called Haines City, Florida, in central Florida, um, Polk County, Florida. Shout out to all my people up in Polk County, Haines <laughs> City. One time for Polk County. One time for Polk ahead. County. You feel me? Um, so he would, that's what he would do. He would take me along for the journey. And by the time we would come back to the house, we would have, you know, at least a garbage bag filled with aluminum soda cans, beer cans. And it was, from there, that the next step would be taking him to the aluminum plant, get to the aluminum plant, and then I would watch him turn those cans in, and then that would be, the result of that would be he would be paid some money. 
one way I saw. Uh, my father, third grade education, family was sharecroppers in Alabama. So I can't tell you how my father obtained a, a, a general contracting license in the state of Florida. And he was an illiterate human being, never can read or write to the day he died. Right. But his him being illiterate was one of the early parts of my business development because he couldn't read the JT Jr. there. Um, hey, help me read this application. Hey, could you read this for me? Hey, come with me to the bank. Hey, I need you to fill this paperwork out for me. Hey, let's sit down and go over this. So that was one of my first early introductions between my grandfather and my father in entrepreneurship. Um, my dad giving me that opportunity to travel around with him, ride with him, be in the truck with him, uh, going in and out of banks, seeing transactions being done. And then also, again, you know, reading for him to help him with things um, became an early part of my life. I didn't realize what it would metamorph into later on, but um, now I can look back hindsight 2020, it was all prepping to get me up out the mud and to ensure that, you know, being able to read is a resource, right? We, we, we can clearly say that and we understand why for hundreds of years, our ancestors wasn't allowed to read one of the you know, the, the greatest, um, in my opinion, you know, uh, hardships that we had to suffer was that, you know, pulling away and keeping us from the access to knowledge and information. When you think about our the slaves who, when they, when that transition and they were freed, they entered into many contracts with these same slave owners to work on the land for a, um, you know, a fallacy of a profit or a profit sharing or some kind of income. And most of them spent the next five to 10 years of their life working for free. And, you know, when the, when, when the year came and the crop was split, oh, we didn't make a profit. Oh, we ain't got nothing for you, right? That's what a lot of our people went through because they couldn't read these agreements that they had entered into. So uh, one of the things that my family made sure of was to, to make sure that I was someone who, and my sister, we, was, we were literate, um, always pushed some type of form of content in front of us for us to read so that we could acquire and have that resource. The other thing that I would say um, my parents would ensure would be a great asset to help me get up out the mud. You know, then it, it, it traveled in many forms, code switching, all kind of things, right? Now I, I use, I say, um, I am an American minority with a great grasp of the English language and nobody can do anything to me. I repeat, I'm an American minority with a great grasp of the English language and nobody can do anything to me because I have that ability or that skill or that resource to communicate uh, um, intelligently my emotions and my thoughts. Um, those were early, um, I would say, you know, lines that my, my parents ensured that we always kept in water, always was able to put those those lines in the water, and hopefully we would catch some from it. So was that like a standard in your home? Like, you know, high, you know, getting your education, um, hustling with your grandfather. You know, I'm trying to understand, what is the standard of your family? Like, you know, what do you guys, is that a thing? It is. Awesome. I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I stand it was simple. My, my my dad and my mom operated on a on a mantra. That mantra was real, real simple. I'm about a lot of things. I ain't about no bullshit. Stand on that. Stand on that. Be about a lot of things. Just don't be about no bullshit. And they literally used to talk talk to you guys about 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 it all. 
about, you know, multiple hustles, multiple things. But again, you know, I think that, you know, what gets lost is the fact that, you know, we're always searching for, and I can appreciate this now, but there was a part of my life where uh, when I was a little bit younger, um, I wanted to be taught more, right? But they didn't have the time. Um, they were just, they were, they were out hustling, getting it, right? So I believe that um, we sometimes don't realize how much we learn just from watching and observing. So it wasn't so much about what they said. It's about, you know, what our everyday life was. My dad would, after work, um, he never, I played basketball as well. Um, it turned out to be a pretty good basketball player. But um, from childhood, of my onset of starting playing the game all the way until maybe I'll say the first time he ever seen me play, I was in college, but lived in the house with me every day. And I probably began playing around the age of 12 or 13. How did you feel about that growing up? <clears throat> and so what do you feel about it now? Uh, growing up, it was it was hard. It was um, it was a little weird to deal with, but um, I can just say that it fueled me. Um, I never, I never had the expectation that he would show up and walk in the gym to see me play, but yet I always kind of, you know, will prepare myself just in case he did. I will also say that him being in construction and all that other stuff. Um, provided me with access to resources. I had two by fours. I had nails. I had hole diggers. I had all these different things, right? So although I never in my life been to a basketball camp, and I'm pretty sure we'll get into it later about, you know, some of the businesses that I built um, in doing that, never been to a basketball camp in my life, never had any formal training. But, you know, those who grew up with me, those who are going to be watching this, uh, this show, um, especially when I share it and people back home, they're going to know. Uh, James JT was on 6th Street, and he built his own basketball hoop. So I had a hoop up, um, but I had the the two by fours. I had the nails. Um, I found the old, you know, rusty rim, put it up, and you build your own rim. I built my own, put my whole my whole basketball hoop together, and then kids would come around every day, break it, put it in the street. So going back to my dad, um, he would be in construction. They leaving the house by three thirty, four o'clock. So when he's leaving, he waking me up, hey, man, no, they, they done broke your hoop again. I'm out. Make sure you move it before me mama got to go to work and do all these other things. So I would wake up most 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 days. I'm pulling the, the rim out the street, you know, bringing all the wood, picking up all the nails, making sure mama don't run over nothing so her tie don't bust on her way to work. Then I would go to school, come home. Shit, that's what I'm jumping on. I'm, I'm, I'm removing nails. I'm putting them back in. I'm replacing my plywood by before the sun go down. I'm going to get me at least 10 shots up because I'm going to rebuild this hoop. I'm going to put it back up and put it back in the there, ground. There's so much in those <clears throat> details. There's so much in the story um, of you, of it breaking apart and you building back and also utilizing your father's resources to be able to do that. Yeah. Now, as an adult, do you actually appreciate the fact that he gave you the tools and the resources to do what you did? I know he missed the games. Yeah. But he also had to provide. He did. So um, <clears throat> now I can accept it, but I realized that, you know, that wasn't the, the best way to go about it. But I can accept it and I can accept that. Um, it, it worked for me and, you know, the trauma from it wasn't, it, it wasn't 
too much to tear me down. And I can say that, you know, my dad and others, um, and it's funny because we have this saying where I'm from, like, don't get caught under no tree, right? Because, you know, most of the guys, especially the construction guys, once the day was over, they shut down three, four o'clock, they go grab them a six pack and they go hang out under the tree, right? Um, because it's still hot out and they relaxing and chilling. So by the time I would get home from school, three thirty, four o'clock, um, my dad would be coming around the corner. He's stumbling a little bit. He done had his couple, his brews and shit. He would see me out there shooting, walk right past, you know, maybe say one or two things to me. But we was in the house by 6, 7 o'clock. He might be knocked out. Rinse and repeat the next morning. He back up at it again on scene when I wake up and he gone. Mom was leaving out just as, just as early. So looking back at it now, um, Beethoven, I do wish he would have at least stopped. Um, I realized he didn't have the the sports uh, acumen to really do anything for me in the in, in sports. But um, I can tell you this. So my dad, um, a lot of things happened in my life. So by the time I was 16 years old, my father had been diagnosed with brain cancer. So by the age of 16, he was suffering from a tumor that was pushing literally an eyeball out of his head. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna give you some hustlers testimony. It's a lot. Yeah, a lot of people really don't know um, about my life and my story. So um, fortunately, um, I was academically solid, um, had enough credits going into my finishing my junior, my senior year to where I didn't really have to go to school um, that often. So um, I was senior class president. Uh, of my of my class, uh, 4.0 grade point average, um, all honors classes, and um, I was able to I had some did some dual enrollment type stuff, so I had some additional credits, and that afforded me an opportunity for my family. My sister being older, right, so she's a year ahead. She graduated. She was already a freshman, maybe in college, and I had to begin taking my father back and forth from Haines City, Florida, to the the Tampa uh, Moffitt Cancer Center from the age of 16, 16. every day. So I go to school, check in, do the little homeroom, dip out, go grab the whip. Again, all that hustling, all that picking up cans, the other things I've done. You know, I had a car at 16. So, you know, the hustling uh, ability allowed me to, you know, be a young boy. But I'm driving around and, you know, I think I had my first car was a Buick LeSabre. So I'm going back and forth, driving him back and forth. And through that time, we was able to have a conversation. But prior to that, he never seen me, never been to a basketball game or supported me in sports. Actually, one time he came to a football game. I have that picture now at home. So and now you could, I want you to keep on going to the story about your grandfather. I'm sorry, with your father mm-hmm. with the cancer. But I also want to ask a quick question before we get to more details on that. Would you rather him... Provide the resources in the home and the resources for you to play basketball, or would you rather him watch the game and and, and lack on the other resources? I, I again, I being being if I'm speaking selfishly, I would have 100 percent wanted both. Yet, I'm I want to go either or now. Yeah, which one would you? Pick? I'm going to give you now. I, I I wouldn't change anything because again, right? Um, his presence there to uh, remember, we goes back to resources, and he didn't have the resources to be a sportsman or to teach me or to tell me about teamwork and things of that nature. In that context, he, he didn't do that. You know, he. <clears throat> let me give you some context about him. He's one 
of uh, 12 or 11. So he's one of 10, he's one of 11 or 12. Two boys, he and his brother, nine sisters. So again, Alabama sharecroppers, he's been working since he was in the third grade. There was no time but he for knows. sports. So he knows, right? So it was about, you know, securing the bag, getting the money, and, um, you providing. know. Providing. Providing. That's what the he focused on. And I appreciate him to this tremendously for that because he showed me how to provide, right? Um but so I wouldn't I wouldn't change that. I, I I thank him for the way the way he decided to to raise me. He taught me a lot, um, and I watched a lot and learned a lot just from watching it. I think that's the most. I think for me, like my father is someone that I learned from through his action, mm-hmm. not through his word. I think my father came to like one game when I was playing basketball, like eighth grade or something. Yeah, and I think he went there because somebody probably told him to. Mm-hmm. Not like he even wanted to. He's like, you don't know why he's there. And I think we lost. So the whole time I'm driving back home and he wants to talk to me about the loss. Not even about me being in the game. He's like, yeah, why'd y'all lose? My father, he my father is a standard, like he keeps a standard and he doesn't have to tell you what it is. He just, you're a champion. So champions, champions what they do. Yeah, they win. So I didn't win. So it's like, what's yeah. up? I thought we champions. So kind of I could relate to a lot of that stuff. But I what I'm also hearing in this conversation about your parents, I just wanna Give them their flowers. What I heard was the value system that they instill in you, the morals, the oh, principles. I, so yeah, and and I think that's the part that you know is the started with your grandfather too. From started with him, but um, you know, we grew up on the side. You know, um, my mom used to say we grew up on the there's there's two sides to each street. You have the takers and the givers. We grew up on the giving side, right? Um, but in order to be able to give, you got to have. Right. You can't be a have not and try to give to somebody. You got to be a have. You got to be someone who has. So fortunately, you know, um, through their hard work, you know, we were in the small realm of what it meant to be where we were in our neighborhood. Um, they they had enough to give and still provide for my sister and I and my family. And I thank them for that. So with that same mindset, you know, um, don't treat people how they treat you was a part of that. Um so powerful, man. Yeah, uh, respect people. Um, you know, we're we're tailors, we're butlers, we're whatever. This is what we do. We don't do what everybody else. Standard on that, right? Um, you're not what's on the outside of this house, right? Inside here, we're going to teach you about all of the things that make you unique. Um, you never have to feel like you're different. You never have to feel like you know your personality. Anything about you is. Um, is not the standard, right? Um, everybody else, you know, with, with what they bring to the table, what they say that you need to live up to isn't what you need to live up to. So uh, one of the greatest things my parents did was, they, they, like you say, they did set that standard within that house. So when I walked out, there was no need for, for, for gratification. And then I think that the community, um, the respect they had for my parents, they upheld that within me. Uh, the dope dealers, throughout the community. Once they understood who I was and what I come from, I wasn't allowed to go be anything else, right? So the um, the false narrative is that, you know, we promote, you know, BS or drug dealing or this or that. No, I mean, I, I, I don't think, I think some people promote it, but I think for the, for, for the large part of, you know, a lot of our lives and where we come from, that's just what they had to do to, to go out and provide, right? And they didn't want that for me. So they they um, 
they wouldn't allow me to put my hands on anything that wasn't for real. Um, friends, homeboys, anybody I hoot with, played ball with, anybody who chose a different path. You know, um, I come home from college. That standard was still in place, but that was set way back from like the second grade. So one, what I love about a standard is that once it's set and once the people can be educated on what that standard is, nobody really tries to buck it. It's like now in business as a, you know, I'm down here, man. I ain't from around here. And we talk about this all the time that, you know, I come from Central Florida. I'm down in the Palm Beach County, Broward County area. And, you know, I hard to make relationships with certain um, certain demographics of, 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 of uh, and communities of individuals because it's clickish. Yeah, it's clickish. And I'm down here. I ain't from around here. But who is this country boy who, you know, uh, can, can dress a little bit and, you know, articulate and, you know, got some some education, understand some stuff. And he's down here in my neighborhood helping the children and the people of my neighborhood. He's doing business in my neighborhood, in my hometown. Yeah. But I had the resources and the know how to go and do all of those things and their inability to either have those resources, go and seek those resources, um, not care enough, or maybe didn't have that standard of what it would be, you know, prevented them from not taking advantage of it. But I did um, because I was taught to take advantage of those things. Um, I was taught to not to be afraid of the system, learn the system, um, be a part of the system, find a way to, to make it and survive and hustle in the system. Why not? But I think for me, what what's so powerful about your story, um, just visualizing the whole thing, how the hustle that your grandfather did by taking you with him to go pick up cans, and because I've been through that also with my mm-hmm. family, and it gave me so much value later on in life that I appreciated when my stepmother used to pick us up to go. We did, she they just I don't even know where they got the cans from. Honestly, true story. I think family and friends coming over, and then. The, I remember going to sell the cans for yep. five cents and that that taught me so much and it brought me so much value of what product and selling, you know. Still to this day, right? Again, we're talking about, you know, so so the other part of that story is once I got a whiff of that, then now I'm now I'm enterprising. Now I'm going out, I'm buying healthy black trash bags and I'm giving them to all my neighbors and everybody. So now I ain't walking around the community no more. But every Friday, every Saturday, I'm pulling up, giving everybody bags. But I come back in another week or so, collect those same bags. Wow. Right? So, um, and the community enjoyed that. Hey, Miss Lottie, here's some trash bags. Mm. Hey, Miss Flowers. So you hey, took the hustle you learned from your grandfather, you elevated and to brought it to, to another, another level. level. Yeah, I to think get that's to another so, level. To get so to another I, I want to ask a question though about your um I still want to touch on and I could get to that mm-hmm. when it comes to your <clears throat> your father and then you care being the caregiver for him. But I wanted a, a question I wanted to ask about do you believe your parents had the knowledge and the awareness and the wisdom to raise you and your sister differently? Or did they raise your sister and your, yourself differently from your older siblings? Man, you know what? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And I and 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 those, the results of that is present to this day. One hundred percent real. Explain right? to me what that. What do you mean? By I mean, uh, again, right? You're talking about you know two nineteen year olds with a child versus two thirty six year olds with a child. 
there is no comparison, right? Um, what the empathy that I have for my older brother um, is so real simply because, again, I understand what he lived in and, what, and the timing of when he lived in. If he was born in 67, then he had to survive the 70s as a young black boy in this, in this country, the 80s. With 19-year-old parents. Again, at you know, they were 19 and he was born in 67, right? So they're 19 when he's in 1967. They're, they're 19 years old when he's born or 69, one of them. What we can we can go back and understand what the seventies was like, right? On Black America, we understand what the eighties was like for our communities and the neighborhoods we come from. So, um, by the time we we came, it was smooth sailing. They, they 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 knew it all. They were they were homeowners. They they you know their hustling had begun to start paying off. Right. Um, my father wasn't just a new tradesman. Now he's a master mason. Now he's you know building and taking care of things at a whole another level. She isn't just someone who was on the front line in the the restaurant and in the hospitality business. Now for the last fifteen years, she's grown and become a district manager at McDonald's. Now she has stock options. Right. So they grew um, by the time we came along at 36, by the time they're 36, 37 years old, they had all the opportunity to give us all the game they had learned. Right. He was, um, you know, unfortunately, um, he was caught in the crossfire of them, you know, trying to figure out and survive to the, the point of when, when we came into the world. Um, but I'm sure they had some great moments. I'm sure they had a lot of great uh, things that I just can't speak about. Some of the stories that are told to me now um, are uh, are frightening. They're they're hard because it was at a different time. You know, um, I'm not who I am. The, the, who I am today isn't who I am when I was 16. Right? I I became a father at the age of 17. <laughs> so you know, my story and what I what I've gone through it. It ain't, it ain't what it is. I got another story. I, first time I've ever said this on any platform from the ages of 13 to 17, I was under the, uh, I was in the juvenile justice system. That's a lot to unpack. Let's start. Lot, I, I want to go, I, I want to go. So let's go through the, let's, let's go from 13 to 17. And I want to go into you care, you know, being a caregiver for your father. Mm-hmm. So you said you were in the juvenile system from yeah. 13 to 17. Give me a little bit more <laughs> about that. So, um, Never started a fight in my life. One day, uh, somebody knocks on my door, um, coerced me out. I come out, me and my cousin, um, like my brother. Man, get into this altercation, kind of get jumped, um, get into a fight. Uh, it's a group of people. Um, he's 17 at the time. I'm 13. Um, he hit me, chases after me. I stop, um, defend myself. I defend myself well in that moment. Uh, one that, you know, really, you know, subdues my opponent. Uh, long story short, I, um, get a, get a little charge and I don't spend a lot of time, you know, away in like a, an adjudication and officially locked up. But what I went through and what I, what a lot of people had in this country have gone through was that supervised, um, 
you know, probation from 13 to 17, where um, traveling was limited, access to doing certain things was limited. My movements was limited. This is also a time where I'm, I'm, I'm emerging as one of the top basketball players in the county. I'm also, a, you know, a top you know, student athlete, you know, around as well, but I can't take full advantage of many of the recruiting opportunities that are, that are coming my way because I can't get approval in time. Right. Um, this other part of this, my hustler testimony, hustler testimony was the fact that uh, restitution came with that with that charge. So at the age of 13, I had to pay over 15 grand to this to this individual and his family for uh, medical bills and some stuff that occurred in that in that incident. So the other part of that hustling, why grandfather, why mom, why everybody had me out here getting it is we can't afford to pay this restitution. But in order for you to make it through, you got to pay this restitution. Um, if I don't fulfill those commitments, I can't tell you where I'm at. I can't, I, I can't speak about where my life would be. I can't tell you that I'm, that I take that, that scholarship. But I, what I can tell you is that, you know, having all of those, those standards to live up to, right. Kept me on the straight and narrow. I've never been in trouble again in my life. So I think that's so, that's, that's, that's congratulations again. That's <laughs> oh, a, which that, part? That's a celebrate on all of them. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, it's um, a lot. It's it's a lot, but I think mm -hmm. it goes back to your foundation, that yeah. mud that when you start yeah. your your family building you up and supporting you and giving you those, those the resources to build again mm -hmm. and the love and the, that that was a, a very important mm -hmm. piece, um, the love and the support that they gave you in that process. Now you were able to pay it back to your father. Now definitely and. Um, you know, learning of his condition, which he fought for for a long time. So I would definitely uh, encourage, you know, all all of us, myself, you, that we definitely put health at the at the, the top of the list. Right. I love and you probably read this. And if you haven't um, anyone who has any kind of hustling ambition or uh, ambition to try to, um, you know, be anything in entrepreneurship, you should definitely go read the words, the last words of Steve Jobs. Have you read those? No, I haven't. Those? I definitely will check um, it out. Yeah, go check that out. And it just speaks about how, you know, what he speaks about being in the final moments of his life and all the success and all the money and all the hustling that he had successfully achieved in that moment. His best friend was just, you know, and what he had to listen and talk to was just the sounds of the machines keeping them alive and um, how he would have spent more time with family, how he would have, you know, taken, you know, so, you know, I, I would just throw that in there for all. And for my dad, it was the same. Um, literally, man, I used to pop out of his head. He wouldn't go to the doctor, literally. Hmm. I ain't letting them people cut on me. He ain't doing it. He ain't doing it. One day it got so bad. Um, we just we just got together like an intervention and we made made sure he had to go. Um, that turned into, hey, we got to immediately do something about this. Um, go into the surgery, he loses an eye. Um, and confidently and in inner, 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 in, within him, he was never the same, right? My daddy was a super confident uh, individual, um, you know, flamboyant, in his love for everybody, um, love kids, um, very charismatic, but, you know, totally changed it, right? Did you, you believe he had regrets on going to get the surgery? 
Um, yes, I definitely do. Is it because he went against what he felt or I can't I can't speak to it. I can just say that um there were some things in my in 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 life that I look at and this may be a little extreme and people be like, oh man, but I, I, I sometimes say it took him to lose half his mind to gain his right mind. Speak on that, please. Um, right. You know, uh, sometimes while we hustling, we move fast. We move re real fast. And we don't really take time to appreciate and really see what's in front of us, right? Like, I have a thing, you know, vision is greater than sight. I, I live by that. But there's times where I'm, I'm too vision and I don't even see the step one, right? But, you know, then there's times where I got step one, I got one through five all laid out. And then once I get to step five, it's like, where do I go from here? So it's that that constant zoom in, zoom out perspective that I think for him, he was able to zoom out and see some of the things he had missed. So the the part that make, will, will make everyone when they hear this smile, when they talk about... Um, you know, changing when we talk about the seasons of coming out of the mud. There was a season in the mud where he never, he never would take the time to come to any of my sporting events, right? But then there was another time in the mud where after the surgery and after, you know, he lost that eye. Oh yeah, he pulled up. So before I, before he died, he was able to see me play in college at least three times. Never saw me in um, any kind of grassroots or uh, anything like that. Never been to a high school game, but he did see a couple college games before he died. Of course, mom was a, a weekend warrior. She was a soldier. She ain't missed nothing. She was always there. And you you played ball at Lynn University? Here in Boca Raton, yeah. Uh, Here in well, Boca in Raton. County, yeah, I, I, I went to Haines City High School, and then I uh, played collegiate ball down in uh, at Lynn at, in Boca. So even, so, you know, going to touch – on your father being able to witness that God slowed him down. He did. Now he got a chance to watch at least three games or mm -hmm. be there for you guys. Um, talk about the process of you going to Lynn and you getting recruited. You know, how was that part of your life? How was your family? How was the, cause I got recruited. So I didn't yeah, talk man, about that. I, you know, I think, um, hmm. there was, um, this what I would this what I would say to parents um, first, because I'm a benefactor of responsible um, athletic. I'm a product of responsible student athlete growth and development, right? Meaning, my parents created a standard of the same way I want you to do everything in life. That applies also to sport. So when I was in an extemporaneous speaking competition and I had to travel the state uh, in high say school. Say that again, please, because, you know, I'm still trying. <laughs> uh, what? Because uh, at first I was fronting like I got what you said. <laughs> I still don't. Even when you repeat it, I'm still going to look at you crazy. Yeah, extemporaneous but I just wanted you to repeat speaking. it again. 
extemporaneous speaking. So extemporaneous speaking was a um, a type of speaking where someone can give you a subject matter, whether you know anything about it or not, you have to get up and um, provide and create a convincing argument about it or uh, find context within, you know, to, to bring it all together and communicate what that um, what that meaning or that definition is to your audience, right? So there was a competition in doing one, that. One second. So it's so crazy because I've known you now for over 10 years. Yeah. And me <laughs> learning I, me learning your foundation and the, the, the words that your family gave you, the principles, the values, <laughs> and then hearing that you were in this X, some thing, I'm never going to try to repeat what you said on that. But it's so crazy watching our relationship mm-hmm. and our conversation, watching your businesses, how all that's connected now. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, um, so I would do that. Um, I was in talent shows, right? Um, I got discovered doing a Michael Jackson impression at a uh, at a uh, family reunion, right, where I had an agent. And again, another story of a season and being in the mud, right? I'm coming out of the mud. So I'm at a family reunion. I do a Michael Jackson impression. Um, you know, there's... Well, I wish we could do this now. Go ahead. Hey, it's crazy because uh, there's so many pictures of me out there doing that. Um, shout out to um, a, a cat named CJ from Haines City. He know who he is. Um, he and I was on stage doing our thing. We grew up together. Um, went to church together, uh, and um, I got discovered by um, a family member who knew an agent. Contacted them. Next thing I know, I'm at Universal Studios. I'm on. I'm on. I'm One second. On, Do you have videos of this? Uh, not of the audition. But you at least have some pictures. Something. I got something. I got something from it. So what I would Casting ask you to do is, I don't. I know Alex. You don't want to hear this right now. Producing in the back. I want to add a clip <laughs> of. At the end of this video, that people could watch your Michael something, a picture. Or oh, something. my my impression. Yes, oh, I need man. that. Listen, I think uh, I you know, that. I might can't get you that, but I can just say, <laughs> you know, um, like most Michael Jackson impressions, it was Michael Jackson. I, right? I believe you. Yeah, and I, to this day, it's Mike. Like, come on, but um, so man, you know, I, I I had to go out, go in, and audition for a couple roles through Nickelodeon. So, um, was able to, um, and again, for me, it's been a lot of highs and lows, and learning how to come back and bounce back from things. So, I actually won a very cool role that um, of a show that many people may have watched, and uh, was was on for many years. It was called My Cousin Skeeter. On Nickelodeon. Uh, unfortunately, though, after I got cast, after I get the role, I contract this um, this disease in my hair, like a like a tatters or something. They was called back in the day. So just think ringworms in your head. Um, I'm out there in the country doing backflips on on mattresses yeah. that people don't throw away. That type of deal, right? I love to flip. I'm, I'm an outside kid. I was oh, running you're around. Definitely a project baby. Yeah, I'm out there on mattresses, flipping on mattresses, and I contracted something in my hair and had to shave my head. So I have to shave my head. I have, you know, spots Spots. in it. Yeah. Pictures all messed up. Um, Got to wear a hat in school. Had to wear a hat for about about two years from like, I forgot what age I was, but um, yeah, I did all of that, man. Had to overcome that kid's picking on me, calling me spot. 
all that good stuff. <laughs> so you gonna have to give me a right? pass if I call you Spot next week. Hey man, you it's all to go good. With it it's you were Spot good. for a while. For two years, you were Spot. So. Yeah, I was Spot, man. They really and, and uh, so you know the good part about you know a lot of that stuff. Spot with man. the bow tie. Spot with the bow tie on, oh, crazy. Yeah. But it was um you know and again you know children are beautiful, but they but they yeah, can be they, vicious. Absolutely. Um. So again, went through that, survived it, continue to get on, keep on going. Um, but it was through all of that, you know, back to my dad, back to, you know, taking that time and having to do all that, what that taught me, um, that, that really just, you know, it humbled me. It humbled me really, really fast. And not so much with my father, but, you know, the imagery that I was able to see every day walking in and out of that cancer center with him and seeing the different people. But, you know. Um, I know we were talking about his confidence yeah, yeah. and things. Yeah, like we're that. also yeah. in the, um, at Lynn. Now you're oh, now scholarship. Yeah, now you're at, at Lynn. recruiting process. Yeah, your recruiting process you were speaking on. So uh, the recruiting process, man, um, was difficult um, because it's a lot, of, a lot of politics. And this is why I started my company, right? So, um, man, you had people around the community who would coach you, right? And it's still going right now who feel like, you know, if, you, if they plan on, if, they, if the kid is playing on their team, <clears throat> then they can't ever play for nobody else, right? Uh, you never would take them anywhere. You're not providing them with any of the opportunities for recruitment. Um, this is high school getting me to uh, to land. And, um, of course, I also had to get approval from a probation officer. So uh, my recruitment wasn't always easy, right? It wasn't always the best and responsible thing to uh, communicate everything about what was going on. So um, the opportunities that were afforded to me were um, some schools here in the state of Florida, uh, one or two out of the state. And by the time I wrapped up my junior year, well, let me just say this too. And I was talking to parents about being prepared and not messing your kids' recruitment up. Don't put unnecessary pressure on your kids through sport. I was saying and getting to the point that my parents never did that. I had to apply every facet of the standard of my life to everything. Acting trying to be an actor, being a dad, being a student, whatever it was, basketball, there's a standard of how things got to operate. And just let that standard be. Let them kids go create their own thing. Um, there was no, you got to be this, you got to be that. It was just, hey, go be your best at everything. If we can, you need resources, we'll try our best to help you. So. Um, that was a lot at 16. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, so at the age of 16, I'm, I'm I'm starting to emerge as one of the top players, so my name is being mentioned. But yet, I was um I was an academic guy, senior class president, all honors classes. I'm I'm in drafting, architecture. My dad was in that, so that was my first love was architecture and drafting. So that's what I'm on. That's what I'm doing. I'm a part of that academy in school plus SGA. Right. So uh, from an academic perspective, I was a qualifier in the ninth grade. So I took my SATs in the ninth grade. Shout out to Miss Salary. Uh, Art Salary was a, a player that at Haines City High and his mom was a guidance counselor. He was like one of my favorite players at that time. His mom was my, my second best person that I loved in the world because she would help all the athletes get prepared for college. She said, hey, go take it. Just see what happens. I passed it. I made almost a, forgot what it was, but I passed it. I never took the SAT beyond the ninth grade again. So once I took it that one time and passed it, I was, I never had a need not to qualify, plus maintaining good GPA. 
So for parents and anybody's watching this, you want to get out the mud. You got to start young trying to climb up out the mud. You can't wait till you old. You can't wait till that last year, that junior, that senior year to try to, you know, get right. these things done and get ready. You need to already be prepared. And that's kind of have been the standard of my life. Already be prepared for the opportunity. Don't try to get prepared when the opportunity comes. Be prepared before it arrives. And and, and that's what it was. So my recruitment was cool, man. And um, I wasn't. So I, I for me, I had already had a conversation with God. And I tell all my young athletes now that the only regrets that I have was that when I spoke to God and asked him for to grant my three wishes, I only gave him one specific wish out of the three. And I'll break that down. So I was I was um, maybe my sophomore year. I'm at a basketball court in the city and I am, I'm shooting free throws. First one is God. If I make this first free throw, I'm going to Haines City high school. I'm a one number four. I'm going to start as a freshman and I'm going to be a damn good basketball player. I made it swish. Very specific, a very, but that first one, very specific, right? Second one, God, I made the free throw. I'm going to college on the scholarship. That was it. God, I made this free throw. I'm going to, I'm going to be a pro. I'm I'm going pro. Swish, made it. Out of those three, my only specific goal that I set at that moment was the first one. I'm going to Haines City High School. I'm a well number four. I am, I'm going to start as a freshman. I'm going to be a damn good basketball player, right? So I tell all my young, my my young boys now, young girls now, hey man, you got to be specific with your goal setting. So second goal I accomplished, right? I didn't, but I didn't say I want to go to Duke. I didn't say I want to go to the University of Miami. I didn't say I want to go to Florida State University and be a collegiate basketball player. I didn't say I want to go to UConn. And Ray Allen was my favorite player at the time. I didn't say that, right? I didn't say, hey man, listen, this God, if I make this last free throw, I'm gonna be drafted in the first round by the Orlando Magic. They're, I'm gonna wear number twenty-two. I'm going to have a 10-year NBA professional career. That wasn't my goal. I was already thinking of the fifth quarter before it was already there. I just ain't know it. So um, I accept a scholarship to come to Lynn University out of those that I was offered. Um, I remember, I never forget my visit. I get off the turnpike from Polk County on Glaze Road. Then I head east. As I'm coming down Glaze Road, I believe that first development now is maybe think of the St. Andrews Country Club on the left-hand side. And I never forget 50, 60-foot high fern trees aligning the road as you go down. And then there's this gap in between, and you can peek inside, and all you see are big-ass mansions. And every other tree and every other gap is whew, mansion, whew, mansion. Coming from Polk County was different. What? Right. So for us, you know, we we knew wealth. We knew people had wealth, but that was typically it was a lot of old money still that way to this day. We knew people had more wealth because, you know, we sitting on maybe a, you know, half an acre, a quarter of an acre. Oh, they own a thousand acres. Oh, yeah, yeah, they got the money. Um, It wasn't no Bentleys and Ferraris to judge a person's wealth. It wasn't a lot of that. Right. So um, rural, modest upbringing, but it was some money. Now, don't get it twisted. A lot of lot of big money, citrus environment, agriculture, that type of deal. So that's what I saw. So when I got down here, man. um, It was like, wait a minute. Where am I? Boca Raton. 
Say less. Oh my God. Poe County? I don't care what, what else is happening in this country. No school in America. Once I came and saw what I saw down here in Boca Raton, Florida. Say less. There was no, yeah, there was no more debate on where I wanted to be and where I wanted to plant my flag. Um, so once I, you got into, well, so once you got into Lynn, playing for Lynn University and the support system you got in that capacity, like well, how how was that for you? Um, again, I think you know uh, the false, uh, you know, again not being educated, not having anyone in my family uh, besides I had an older cousin, but it was he and I who went to college and played sports. You know, really didn't know how much resources we should have received once we got there. Right, um, looking back at that now. A lot that was lacking that we should have received, but who determines that? Um, the powers that be, as they always do, determine that, right? Um, universities, NCAA, um, the different the level um, that you're going to. I would also tell parents, you know, when you allow your child to accept a scholarship, state school versus private school is something that was never discussed with me, right? Meaning, um, FAU and Lynn in the same city, both two great. Uh, strategic, prestigious academic institutions, right? Yet one is a public school, one is a private school. Lynn is a private school. FAU public school, they get public dollars. So when you think about a scholarship and Pell Grant and your access to more funding because you are at a public school, that funding trickles down to athletes. So their Pell Grants were bigger. So I want I want the people to understand part of your, well, one of the businesses that you own is a sport, like give them a little more detail so they can understand how you definitely and why I'm speaking on that. Yeah. So um, again, not having someone like me in my life, I wanted to be that uh, that surrogate for a lot of athletes to have somebody who had really survived and really done what they were really trying to go do, and that was the um, the essence of the creation of Tailored Athletes. Um, which is a full-service um, basketball training development and educational company that I started uh, in 2006. And, you know, currently now we own over a quarter million thank yous from all the kids that we've uh, serviced and helped and parents through camps and clinics. So um, being an athlete, I didn't know that. I didn't know what the difference was. I just know I got down here and my homeboys over at FAU Every semester, they checks for five to six thousand dollars, way more than mine. And when I go in there to the uh, to the financial aid office and ask these questions, this and that, oh well, we're a private institution. All of the funds that we get, we get the discretion to determine where it all goes. Versus, you know, a state school. Now, for uh, my, some of my teammates, that wasn't a big deal, right? But what do we already discuss and say what's going on in my life during that time? I'm a dad, you know, Beethoven. Like, I'm not a normal student athlete. I was a father at the age of 17, um, single father, um, you know, uh, early on um, because I had to be there while um, her mother had to go to school um, during that time uh, until I left to go to college. And, you know, then she's a single mother to a certain degree while I'm back and forth from school and trying to be the best dad that I can be, uh, for, for my daughter. But, you know, so it wasn't enough for me, Beethoven. So, um, they provided three meals a day. They provided, um, 
you know, an opportunity me for take advantage and, 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 and go in that library and learn and, uh, and do my work and do all those things, which I took full advantage of. But yeah, it wasn't enough for me. Um, no disrespect to the institution, but it wasn't enough for me. I'm a dad. I got a baby to take care of. So um, although I had a great time at Lynn, I also had some, I had some rocky times, you know, one, uh, you know, filing, wanted to file a grievance for uh, being mistreated. We, um, a couple of teammates and I, you know, had, had, had too much fun in the cafeteria uh-huh. one day. Um, and, uh, you know, you see what being, um, a good, having a good grasp of the English language allows you to, you to absolutely. Do. A, so I hope y'all out there in TV land. I hope y'all caught that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. My teammates and I, we haven't, it's way too much fun. Right. Uh, you know, cause I would have said it totally different. <laughs> well, we had a time last night, but we actually did some dumb. Yeah. Man, I would have said it different. A little bit, but you know. Could it have been blown out of proportion? I thought it was, right? We're talking about one one, t- one, <laughs> one second. You know why you believe that they blew it was, out of proportion? Because you, <laughs> you were a ex uh, um extemporaneous speaker. Yes, yeah. that's why you already all connected again. Go ahead, man. Yeah, man. So teammate messed up and uh, you know, um, you know, broke broke a chair. So that that was that was foul. And and created some drumsticks and we were having a good time. Another teammate got on top of the uh yeah. So he broke. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. He broke the back of a chair, made some drumsticks. Couple guys jumped on the top of the um the counter tables and was just having some fun. You know, we're the we're the basketball team. We oh, we do stupid. I mean, we do ex- yeah things. Sometimes athletes can do some stupid yeah, stuff. There's a lot of them. You know, all conjured up together, they can do a lot of crazy stuff. So we did that, and the punishment, what I thought was freaking crazy, man. They they literally um demanded and and made us work in the cafeteria and suspended us. This was something that wasn't, a, you know, the, the the conference. This was all, you know, institution discretion, right? Athletic directors, coaches, uh, bro, we got They had to make an example out of you guys man, for not breaking man. no more chairs and being drummers. Bro, you know, um, they did. Was there any other drummers after you guys? Good point. Not to my knowledge. Okay. Right. Let's go. So, um, we worked in the cafeteria, bro. Made us work in cafeteria. We had to clean the cafeteria. We did a lot of the stuff. And at that time, it was so freaking degrading. But I can tell you what the blessing was. I began to build a relationship with all of the hospitality workers within the particular. It goes uh, back to what you know. It goes back to what I know. So um, already working in it, already, you know, being in the restaurant, having these skills, I'm in there and I'm I'm enjoying, you know, busting these tables. I ain't letting it get to me, but I'm in the back. I'm in the back and I'm, and I, and I, and I'm, and I'm really connecting with the people who work there. Um, to this day, I walk on that campus and, you know, I can see a couple of professors, but the housekeeping department, Oh, I pull up and I go say hello and I still hug and say hello to all those people. Because right? they were the ones that took care of me. They were the ones who took care of me. They were the ones who nurtured me. They were the ones who would come by and uh, pick up that, that that tub of dishes and go put it over and tell me, no, no worry, no worry, my my son. And, and, and truly show me the love and the care um, because they didn't agree with it and, and knew we shouldn't have been in there. But they did that. Um, for that, forever grateful, forever we show them the most... Uh, respect, but it goes back to again not treating people how they treat you. I was taught that. You were taught that, for, and I think for me, and I'm watching the consistency on your upbringing. But I want to talk a little bit more about Taylor Athletics 
in the um as a full service agency, what is your services and what are some of the outcome and results for that? Mm. So um, you know, we provide when you say services, I let me tell you what the outcomes are first. Mm-hmm. Outcomes is you're gonna come you're gonna come away more confident. You're gonna come away uh, with the with the unbiased truth about your growth and your development and your lad and lad is the LTAD. That's long term athletic development. That's what you're gonna get um, when you get from Taylor Athletes, and we provide that through services of one on one training. We have a trademark program called Pro at Your Door that um, you know sends athletes. Um, I'm sorry, pros out to people's homes, and we train them in the comfort of their own home. It goes back to me having my hoop in front of my house and building my own hoop, right? Um, parents, we love the money you give us. We, I'm, we're going to cash every check, yet your kid don't want to go outside and shoot on their own hoop and it's a hoop outside. Well, you know, maybe basketball ain't, ain't, ain't for him, right? Uh, he don't have that ability to go train and, and when nobody's watching. So we have that program, whether we deliver it through that, whether we deliver it through our travel program, uh, whether which we and that's, you know, competitive ball kids and, you know, on teams playing in competitive tournaments all across the state and the country. Yeah, as I said, don't you, you've thrown some real successful tournaments. Yeah. So we, 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 we so we throw tournaments. Um, we provide uh, weekly skill and development in about five different municipalities across the state right now. Um, Boca Raton being one of our biggest academies. Um, we do camp spring break, um, summer camp, um, you know, after school programs in that capacity to uh, build a bridge and uplift athletes, but utilizing sports as a catalyst to do so is a part of that. And um, yeah, just. And within, just, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, within your business model, what are three different things you believe, three different resources and tools that you could share with people that will actually help them if they're in the same business or they could take with them? That they're in the same business? Same business or just um, okay. business overall that yeah, yeah, you yeah. learn in okay. your process? So I would say uh, the first thing is vision is greater than sight. And to go beyond that is, you know, I, I said we started this in 2006. I've known you for 10 plus years, but known of you doing business way before that. Right. So you, you know, there isn't no overnight successes. Don't even think about it. Don't try to be one. Um, nothing, nothing is going to happen overnight. You have to be consistently committed to, to what you're doing. Um, that's to anyone in business. To someone specific in my business is that, you know, hey, there's very low barriers of entry. So embrace the competition. Right. Um, me being a Hall of Famer now, um, me being an all time leading scorer in school history, the basketball accolades, me being a pro, me being in the NBA developmentally, me working out pros, doing that's cool, right? Yeah, me being, you know, a prolific player myself, that's great. But that don't stop the dad who wasn't me or didn't have to go and volunteer at the YMCA and start coaching basketball and helping kids. Is there technology that you – in the – I want to know a little bit more about some of the technologies or resources that you use to build your company. Is there like mm-hmm. things like that that you guys have? That you can speak um, I mean, uh, I think it's going to be unique for every person's business and, and, and how they want to see their business be set up. But um, a technology that I use is a simple website. 
Um, I think that there's a push for social media and a push to try to be the best in on those platforms, but yet um, most people don't even have a website where people can come to and it lives and they own that domain and they're and they're building organic. Basically, the hub, the hub wherever. for everything that they're doing, right? Um, where they can actually exact and uh, and tr- I'm sorry, transact and do stuff on um, and have people really engage with them. You know, have inf- have a website. So you believe, um, so someone that's in the business, Mm -hmm. someone that's in um, business overall, they should have a hub to actually talk about who they are, what they do, and how they do it. 100%. And you believe that helped you out tremendously? Uh, 100%. Um, You know, because, you know, now our marketing budget is a lot less than what it was 10 years ago. And because of what? Because of the because of our online presence and our ability to have have a hub and have a place where people can go to for ten plus years to have all those organic pages to be cached all throughout Google and all throughout the search engines, right? To have that hub existing and being there throughout all the transitions, throughout all the mergers. Yahoo is now MSN or MSN and blah blah blah. The Google is now Alphabet. Every all the transitions, the you know, the the place where someone can come find us has always been the same. It has never, it's never lacked. So you never. always had a platform that always they're had able a platform to, and they were able whatever to. you do in your company, they're able to go back to that platform. And they're able to go back to it. They need to schedule a, a pro to come to their door. They can do it at the right website. The computer. Um, they can do it or their phone now, right? Because of the sites being a, mobilized. Uh, mobile, mobilized and allowed to to do all of that. Yeah, um, they need to leave a message. And request a callback. They can do it from there. Um, so the technology definitely took your business to another capacity. It, it did, but also um, I would have to say I took my business to the next level because I'm a I'm a consistent human being who just know how to be consistent and and constantly show up and constantly be there. Um, and then also, I again, I'm down here. I ain't from around here. So um, I, I didn't have the need or any organic friendships that started with me in business. So ain't nobody rock with me because they my homeboys. Worked. worked. We, we had to work together, right? So the relationship for me is I've, I've always been able to work with multiple people because I needed to. They wasn't friends or homeboys. So there isn't a... I'm here to serve and help James because he's a nice guy, right? So, you know, getting to those points where we knew what we knew what uh, the relationship was going to be from the onset has helped me out, right? Now, there's been some who have come, you know, and showed themselves to be different later, but we only find out later, right? So I think uh, the other greatest asset is, you know, um, man, you know, I, I, I would say uh, bring people on, Quickly, uh, get as much help as you can to facilitate your company and fire quickly. Expand quickly, fire quickly. Bring on as many people as you can, help get it Expand done. on that. Why? Why? Um, because you, you're going to always need, you know, individuals. I didn't walk in here, you know, everybody in TV land ain't going to know how many people have greeted me, uh, made my tea. Um, in the back room. It wasn't just me? It wasn't just you. Oh. Mm-hmm. I was going to take the credit for it. So you, I made can. It and you can. You can, right? You. But it wasn't just you, right? So it, it's never been just me. And I think it goes back to resources, me going to business school, 
right? Learning that these things, right? What an organizational chart is, knowing that, okay, if I'm the guy, I'm here, I'm there, I'm, I'm all these things. I can't be all those things. Um, so it allowed me to bring people on. It allowed me to have coaches, it allowed me to have trainers. It allowed me to expand. It allowed me to try to do more um, because I was fearless with um, competition and a little naive too. And I think that entrepreneurs should be a little naive, right? Um, I learned quickly. Oh man, he ain't, he ain't for me. He just he just showing up because I I got the warm market for him to, po to poach out of or she ain't for me or this, right? So jealousy and envy ain't got no face. I learned that a little bit later. But um, again, uh, that's the part, you know, I, I got way more that need to be done versus me being scared to bring people on because I don't want them to see what's going on or be a part of what I a have. A lot of us have on. that issue. Yeah, we do. Like, we just don't want to let people in. And that ain't who I am. I've never had that privilege to have people be around me in business because I'm a nice guy or they think I'm a cool dude. They've right. always benefited. And to anyone out there who want to refute that, if, you know, um, you wrote me a check, um, in entrepreneurship, then I would love to see it. But I've been doing most of the check writing for the last 15 to 20 years. No flex, but um, I understand what it has meant. Um, now I can appreciate that. Yeah. My brother, let me yeah. tell you right now, and I, that's what this 2024 is to me. I want you to flex on that. <laughs> You're so crazy. Because I think for me, like, you know, excuse my French, mm -hmm. fuck being humble this season. Because I think it's important for us to really recognize the work. The I have so much empathy for a businessman, businesswoman, the person that actually created it from the mud. It's real work. It's real pain. Correct. It's not easy. But I think we need to talk a little bit more about that because we have to talk about the championship. Because I think the next level mm -hmm. of entrepreneurs coming on need to understand the work ethic and the principles and the consistency, mm -hmm. the commitment that's needed to this. So you got to really, you got to be Jordan of this thing. Like That's what it is. Entre like you, you cannot come into this entrepreneur thing and say, I'm so humble. That sounds so amazing. But you can't, like when you're in that mud and you got to really dig away in and build the infrastructure and create the SOPs and and all the scalability and sustainability that you need to do in business, mm -hmm. you can't have that humble spirit. Well, here's the thing, right? I, you know, now you can't. Yeah, I think it's a growing from that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna expound on what you just said. I think you can, right? But I think that you know those who are doers, um, they don't spend time bragging about it. There's no time. There's no time. You see what I'm saying? So I think that you know what we've been able to sit down today and do is sit back and, and talk about it. Right. And you're asking and saying, Hey, you know what? No champion. Yeah. Talk about it. Because I want the other, I want, you know, and the reason I'm saying it not, it's not about bragging. Mm -hmm. It's about letting the next generation know there's a standard on this entrepreneur thing. We come like we're champions. So when you come into this space, you got to have that champion mentality. You do. But I also think that, you know, um, and that's what sports has done. Right. But, Championships are typically, um, well, what I've learned through sport is that delayed gratification, which a lot of our the audience and those in the mud may not be able to afford, right? So um, there's been times in my life where I couldn't afford delayed gratification. I need mine right now. I need, you know? that. I need that right now. Um, but I think that, you know, the the building of it, and the work is so important to where 
you know, may I'll take your advice and I can I can brag on some things now, but man, but it's not I, the bragging. So let me kind of even yeah, give no you brag, give yeah. more personal thing. Mm. So life has humbled me in the past year, especially twenty twenty three has humbled me in ways that I could never imagine. I agree. Um, twenty twenty four, I had to realize how great I am and that I'm in this champion. So I had to go back and dig deep and realize that the principles, the 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 things that was instilling me as a child from my father and my family mm-hmm. overall and understand the process that I've been through by being consistent and committed and what equals what success looks like. It's not the bragging, but I think you have to go back and dig a little deeper mm-hmm. to understand okay. like, because when we were, when we're in the mud, we got to know that we're a champion to understand how to get out the mud and go back to what, what, what trained us, what built us. Mm-hmm. If I did not know I was Greatness. If I did not know I had the will, the purpose, the um, the tools and the resources that God has given me to know, like if I live in that humble, when you read the definition of humble, it doesn't, I'm that, but I'm also in another capacity right now. And I think when you start, the level I want to fly, the, the places that I want to go to go back and serve and to bring more value to the world I got to move in a champion right now. I cannot, I'm not a junior in high school anymore. I'm a, I'm an, I'm in the pros. I'm in a big league and I did so much to get to it. So when I get humbled down, I got to also believe I'm this champion and not sit in this humble tone. Like, and I caught myself doing that. Mm. I was beat up so bad this year that I, I kept on catching myself of shrinking myself down to fit in. Mm. So I walk in a room and it's like we love that humble talk that, nah, man, we move in greatness. You great, I'm great. How hold do we on, move great on, together? All right. Boom. Let's go. Snap. That's it. One of the greatest parts in entrepreneurs got to understand how to, once you acquire some new information, you got to apply it right away. Absolutely. So I'm going to show you how to apply that. Go ahead. I'm going to pop that. Next nah, question. but pop it. I think, I think <laughs> that's what I, I, I need that because, because I also want people to understand there's a goal. Yeah, it is. And there yeah, is yeah. a... The work that you put in, you earned this. But this wasn't totally, given. Totally. So again, right? Like it's still about, you know, um, doing the work. That's the part that we're never can't, gonna skip yeah, that part. We cannot skip that. You cannot wake up and want anything to happen for you in your life if you haven't put any any work to go and accomplish it and try to attain it. It just ain't gonna happen. So I say the delayed gratification is, you know, um, what I'm used to. Right. Um, I'm used to that. That's been a standard that my family has set. Right. Hey, we, we, we never comfortable. We can be content with where we are and happy, but we're never comfortable. We're going to always keep working. We're going to always keep grinding right now. Um, I brag with my with my actions. I think for me, I, the bragging part is not the, the well, when, not I, when I humble. speak about champion, when I speak about being able to teach and educate and inspire the next group of leaders and entrepreneurs coming it's not up. Bragging. It's not about the bragging mission part. Yeah. I'm far from that. You know, I'm I'm if I could hide and wear black teacher to hide every day, I would want to do that. Mm-hmm. But I want them to understand the mentality of a winner, the mentality of a champion. I'll say this the mentality of a champion is someone who um you got to be willing to put the work in until it's time to hoist that trophy above your head. And when you do it, you know, we don't, we don't not, not 
pop champagne, right? You pop champagne when it's time to pop that champagne. So, you know, I'm, and for me, popping champagne is, um, you know, seeing, knowing that of these thousands of kids that I work with, five or six of them are, are working for me right now. That's popping good champagne. That's popping great champagne. They working yeah. right now while I'm sitting here speaking to you. And you brought them that value. Like, and yeah. that's what I'm saying. I definitely don't mean to cut you off, but I'm working on that because a friend of mine speak with me about listening more all the time. I appreciate that. But if you that. hear something, then we got to go on it. We got Yeah, because I think for me, yeah. this, is, this, this platform is where people that's in the process of growing and developing that come and hear our conversation. Like mm -hmm. we're just talking like we normally mm -hmm. talk and we're able to give people that, um, that in like that, that, you know, they get to see part of our, our natural yeah. conversation. But I have a question cause I want to go in cause I could get so deep into that thing. Um, what, how do you define success? And it doesn't, it don't have to be business. Don't have to be, just overall, how do you define success? I don't. Elaborate, please. I just don't. I don't define success in any way. I I think um, you know um, that's an individual journey. That's a looking at yourself in the mirror. That's what Michael Jackson was talking about, right? It starts with the the man in the mirror. Um, it changes for me daily, um, and being flexible enough for it to change is a part of why I maintain my sanity as an entrepreneur and as a hustler and somebody out here. Being patient with yourself. Being patient with myself, not and forgiving myself. Um, because who I am today wasn't who I was at 19. I had to forgive my parents, who they are. You know, we talked about, you know, do I think what they gave my brother was different from what they gave me? Hell yeah. You know, um, so, you know, I try to, I try to not jump on that success word too much because it's such an elusive thing um it blows like the wind mm -hmm. and um yeah i i like to i you know i'm i'm more geared around for me and everything that i do it's i could tell you this you know st statistically i ain't supposed to be here right now that's success Right, statistically, you're not supposed to be the proprietor and the of this. Absolutely of not. This. So, it's not even a yeah. thing. Statistically, you know, um, I'm not supposed to have more than one college degree. Statistically, um, if I look at my life in my neighborhood where I come from, statistically, um, if we want to say this is success, I, you know, how many people make it to you know professional sports? I've accomplished that. Ugh. Maybe some people think that's success, right? Um, I look at it as success when you, now that you say that, it's them thank yous, the quarter million thank yous that I got. That's how I measure success. It's a powerful thing. I have yeah. another, I have a couple questions. So one of the questions I, another question I have, what's something you didn't pay at enough attention to that you wish you had, that, that you learned from that you wish you did, like, so basically my question, let me go, let me actually read it and not try to paraphrase it. And uh, So what's something you didn't pay enough attention to that you had to learn the hard way? <laughs> um appreciating appreciating where I'm from and buying the block. Give me a little bit more. Again, country boy, small town mindset. You know, the, the the goal was like most people in a small town, 
right? When you think about all the people who maybe have gone on to whether it's entertainment, success, sports, success, where they come from, a little small town somewhere, right? So um, I think for me, I had this affinity to conquer the big city, right? And, you know, I came down to Boca. I seen all this. I'm going to take over, right? So I wanted to get, and I, you know, through learning and, you know, educating myself, I became a real estate agent a couple of years ago. So I jumped into real estate and been making some plays. Yet um, I overlooked and undervalued my where I was from. Um, and I didn't make certain moves quick enough um, at a time where they were way more affordable. And emotionally getting to that space um, has cost me a little bit more. Still made the decision and, and, and pulled the, the trigger on those uh, deals, but cost me more. And I, I, I would have been a lot further ahead than where I, would, I am now. Is it possible to achieve balance between business and personal? Um, I do. I, I agree to that. I think that it's a choice. Um, it has taken me sometimes to lend myself and, and stop being an entrepreneur or be an entrepreneur at the same time to truly understand it and appreciate it. Um, I felt like, you know, when I'm an entrepreneur and I'm only relying on me, I don't know how to stop. But the moment someone else brings me into their organization um, and now I'm a part of a different team, I get I get an opportunity to really understand how I'm how I'm not treating myself um, at, at, at my best. Right. When, you know, at this job, it's five o'clock or whatever. They shut down. It's done. You don't know what that is. I don't know yeah. what that is. Right. That's some, real thing. That's some real stuff. Right. So I can say that, you know, um, but it I don't want to confuse our listeners to think that they got to just get drunk on entrepreneurship either. And, you know, let that make them not see their value and let others see their value to bring them in in multiple things. Right. So um, that's what I'm at. I'm on now. I'm, I'm going to continue to be a part of whatever groups that I believe, you know, can appreciate my value, but I'm never going to stop being an entrepreneur. And through that, I've gained more work, personal and entrepreneurship balance. Entrepreneurship is a skill set and is a culture. I think a lot of people don't realize that. They think because you work a nine to five that you're not an entrepreneur. I think you could still work a nine to five and have the entrepreneur mindset. Definitely. Entrepreneur takes, they lead, you know. No one in my team works for me. Everyone in my team works with me. I agree to that. I too. don't treat anyone like, I, I don't believe in that because, you know, Alex, I didn't call him about anything this morning to set up the camera to do anything. He know. For us to be successful, his responsibility is to do that. Mm -hmm. My responsibility is this. His, like Our whole team moves like that. I don't have a culture in this company that people are just working for me. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense because well, I don't want that. For have them. you always been that way or have you grown always, into this guy Always because now? I worked the nine to five and I used to always out like it's a long time ago. I tried to do the nine to five thing and I would walk in there and I already have a sense of leadership. I have a sense of identity of who I am. I know I bring value whatever environment that I go into. So when I went to a nine to five, I normally, I could be a manager by the end of the week because I'm like, all right, I see where they're lacking here. I want to bring value here. Let's grow this. I never got caught up with titles. I never got caught up with 
I'm at a job mm-hmm. because entrepreneurship for me is a culture. Entrepreneurship for me is a lifestyle. I'm moving that capacity. So when it's time for me to bring value, that's what I do. That's what you do. It, ain't, it don't matter. It don't matter so, what. So that's called it's in you. It ain't on you, right? So yeah. that's the part where um, for those who are listening here, that goes back to that mirror. You got to really check yourself. You know, if you if you faking, if you ain't for real, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like like it's it's going to really show. You're able to see that. So, and I think for me, I'm not the one to tell people leave your nine to five because you. That's part of your hustle. Mm-hmm. Like you got a nine to five here, but you do this here, you do that here. Eventually, it's going to convert from hustling to actually building a scalable and a sustainable company. I think it takes time to get into that capacity, but you learn so many different mm-hmm. skill set. For me, I think if you're in a nine to five, you're getting paid to fail. You're getting paid to learn. You're getting paid to grow. And if you bring value, the right leader is going to make sure you're in position to win with them forever. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't understand. They come to a job to clock in and clock out. But trust me, the person that's, that, that's paying is observing 100%. that. 100%. But if he also observes you being consistent, you you showing up, you delivering, you bringing results, you stepping up, he automatically know what time or it is. She is. Or she. Or autom- she. Yeah, automatically know what time it is. But like you said, it goes back to, you know, you know, if you're at home, you know, you making this decision to be an entrepreneur, you want to change your circumstances and your situations, then you truly got to make a commitment to yourself. You you can't you can't be the best entrepreneur for yourself and to go work and, and go to, to somebody else's job and be the worst employee for them. Fact. You can't be the worst employee for somebody else and go and be the the top uh, you know, entrepreneur for yourself. It ain't gonna happen. It's not. And I, and I think for me that goes lead to another um, piece of my question, like because I, I also know entrepreneurship, part of that culture, um, you know, we 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 believe we routine is so important to us, mm-hmm. right? Is there something that um, what's the most important part of your routine? Now, the most important part of my routine is giving time to family. That's the most important part of my routine right now. Um, And I think that, you know, um, everybody's going to go through this uh, as an entrepreneur. But there was a time in my life where family wasn't the number one priority. And it wasn't that they were being neglected. It's just the fact that, um, you know, I wouldn't, I thought I couldn't take that time. You know anybody that did that before? You. Your father. And my father. Yeah. I know anybody, but again, thanks for reminding me of myself. But yeah, I, you too. I was trying to skip myself right, and go right all, to you. But like I say, we all in it, right? Like that's something that you know. Unfortunately, it's a it's a byproduct of this lifestyle and this culture that you find yourself in. And um, my dad did it, so I've tried to become more inclusive of family in 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 what I do um, from a business perspective. Um, but yeah, man, just I think for me, it's also it's super difficult, man. I want everybody to understand, and that's entrepreneurship leaders, because there's yeah. you know we've interviewed, we've had a conversation with political mm-hmm. individuals. I think is like I'm still trying to understand what balance is. I don't even know if that's real. I'm because with I think if you're going so hard, and it also depends on where you want to get to. You know, I created these numbers in my mind. I create these things that I want. Um, you know, I want to hang my jersey on the um on the rafters, and I and what does that look like for me mm-hmm. when I say it, when I, when I ask those things, and we create this thing that we want for ourselves, and we sacrifice family, yeah, 
you know, there's a, yeah. that's the first group that that we sacrifice. Yeah. That's you why know, I started for. there. And then we say it's for them. Yeah, we do. So I'm learning, like, you know, the past, you know, these different humbling experiences in my life this past year, I'm learning, like, you know, and a buddy of mine does taught me this also. He's like, you know, when we go back to all our goals that we have, all these things we're checking in our checklist, what's ultimately is for? For our family. Well, what do we want to give our family? Love. What do we want? And that's like, wait a minute. So you can actually love them and care for them now. Exactly. In your same circumstances. In the same In thing. the mud. But once again, who have that conversation with us? To tell us. To tell us that. Exactly. That's why I said, again, I had to start there because, again, I thought that I needed to do all these other things. Your father did it for you. He did. Provider. You thought My was, mother, too. Your mother didn't fight. Absolutely. I right? do not want to mother, discredit. Father, mother, father, they provided for us. Right? They truly did. Um, and, again, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm. I stick with what I know. I've seen them working and seen them grinding, right? Um, again, my daughter would probably say, no, daddy. <laughs> yeah, you I mean, didn't. Yeah. No, no, you, no my, my daughter would probably say, no, daddy, you did a great job. You didn't. I, ain't, I never missed no appointments. Never. Always with there, pulled up, spent time. Two Priuses, 400,000 miles on each. Blue boat, blue, blue two motors. Tell the highway up, my son, coaches, baseball team, white, whatever. They they may not say that I'm not right. around and there, but I know. I know, I know what's going on when I'm home and I'm sitting on that couch and um Moana's on. And everybody's sitting around watching Moana, but what am I thinking about while I'm sitting on that couch? So are you not present when you're there? Again. Because I learned that the hard way. Listen to what I'm saying, right? So it goes back to, am I not or am I? Yes, I'm present, but am I really? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Let's, like, go, let's skip this part because now, <laughs> now you're giving too much. You're our present and you're there, my brother. I am, right? I just so, want to keep it on there. Yeah. So what, another, <laughs> yeah, what am I? So what's the life lesson? So what life lesson? Oh, what life lesson took you to the longest, the longest to learn? What life lessons took you the longest oh, to learn? Oh man, jealousy ain't if ain't got no face. Mm. Again, you know, being naive. I'm, I'm a nice dude. I ain't never, I come from a giving family. I don't come from takers. So I don't, I'm not a professional taker. I don't know how to take from others. I don't know how to move with ill intent. I don't know how to be malicious with my thought process. And, you know, um, you know, constantly, you know, sit back and plot to try to destroy others. I don't know how to do that. So, you know, again, I have a very loving, carefree spirit to where I've invited and welcomed a lot of people around me. Not knowing jealousy ain't got no face. Or gender. What do you, What what is it that you hope, I mean, what is it that you hope to bring what value do you hope to bring to the world? Um, to the world, man. I um, now I'm I'm stepping into. I'm stepping into what you just said earlier about. I want to die empty. Right. I just reached a space and a place in my life where. That's why I'm on the hustler testimony. I, I you know you. you 
been doing this for years. I haven't, I haven't stopped by yet, right? I'm, I'm here because I'm ready to die empty. I'm no longer taking any of what I've seen, all this information, all this knowledge, all this game. I'm not, I'm not holding it. I'm not holding it in anymore. And I'm gonna, I'm working on opportunities and platforms that allow me to, to share it. Because some people that gonna jump on your comments and say he a real one, or he really, he really do be on me. He really do get his game, but I can't reach the masses like I want to. So it's time to. My brother, let me tell you right now, you just, you inspired me with, I'm going to die empty. Yeah, we're going to die empty. So what I want to do, I'm going to create, I'm actually going to create a merch. That's how quick it happens to me. Let me, well, let me. We can share the profit. Well, not even that. There's a book called Die Empty. Uh, I can't give you the author, but just check that out. No, I'm going to check it, but I also want to. Whatever you want to. I want to do something we, with that die empty camp. I want to like I want to go deep with that because we I can think go deep with that. Yeah. For me, the reason I'm saying that because I think for 2024, I think that's the model. That's the model, dog. We gotta let empty. it out. We gotta let it all and out. And I think it's it's doing any not anything. I mean, doing everything you could do in your power and your team, your unit. I think it's like a die empty. Like mm-hmm. you gotta check on each other. You gotta do it. You gotta put in that work. You gotta, and, and what the whole mentality of die empty is is put everything on the table. Put everything on the table. And and, and another another secret, right? So one of the advantages that I've had, and I and I'm gonna say it because you know I don't think people are gonna really understand why I move the way I move, but they they'll get it. They're gonna understand why we, you know. And then you suffer from this. Oh my God, you do so much, man. What you mean? Like, I, I I'm harder. here for a good time. I ain't here for a long time. So I and and I know that because literally 15 steps from my, where I was raised is a funeral home, Claude phone, Claude Holmes funeral home, and I've watched so many families take their 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 walk over there, including myself twice with my parents, right? I, I grew up next to that. I seen that every day. I walked out of my house and that's what I that was that's what I saw. Wow. Yeah. So I I've always known we, we we ain't gonna be here for a long time. So um it's time. It's time to just let it all out, right? We've worked hard enough. We've 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 been studious. We've acquired these skills. Well, you earlier you mentioned that you think that people are born with certain skills, so I, I agree. Sharpened them, um, and then gained some resources and had some resources to help support you know our passions throughout. But now it's about uplifting and empowering you know the next generation. I want to touch on that. I just had this conversation this morning. I believe people are born with gifts. Once your gift and your skill set comes together, mm. you're able to elevate to another capacity. I like that. I think that's that thing. A lot of people are not willing to take the time to learn their gifts. Mm-hmm. Once you got, when you know who you are, what you're doing, how you do it, when you look in that mirror, like I'm a servant. I love serving. I love giving. I still, I love bringing value. So I'm in the service business. My skill set is marketing. What I have to learn how to understand the proper color, the proper ways to create visibility and all, da, 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 all mm-hmm. these things we can go back in. So I was able to match my gift and my skill set. And now I'm taking a lot of things in my life to another capacity. The human things is what I had to actually learn. Cause <laughs> I skipped the human part of life because I was so aggressive. I've been so aggressive right, so long, stuff, but yeah. you know, me learning how to one heal mm. and so many other things I can go into, but I'll save that for another show. My brother, 
I'm I'm extremely um, appreciative of you stopping for by. Sure. Thank you for having bringing me. value into the community. Um, I think it's, I I believe not. I think I know for sure. Um, immediately we're gonna start working on some things that's gonna bring more value into the world. Yeah, and when we're time. gonna leave it empty and it's I and it's Thank not you. it. And and I want to challenge other people that's watching this and yeah. really like. It's a season for us to really bring value, man, and really impact the way we're supposed yeah, to. Because I think that, um, you know, it's it's we've had a, you know, talk, go back to that cycle again, right? And, and the mud, and we talked about you can come out of the mud, you can go back in the mud, right? We are, I think, like you said, I'm ready because there's been this whole, it's been multiple seasons of misinformation, been a lot of BS yeah. out there. Not only just not just misinformation, just no information, no information. Because no I think uh, I think for me, I really get better as a man, as a businessman. The more information I get, I get better. But in my process of life, I've taken these L's, these lessons, which a lot of people look at as losses, and I goes back to because I know I'm a champion. I'm able to grow yeah. from them from the mud. And I already knew how to dig myself out, but. I promise you, man, if you're going through something and you really going through that, you're really, really going through, growing through it, understand these L's are most definitely lessons, mm -hmm. and these lessons come continuous. It's going to keep on coming. But once you know how to get out, always go back to that and share that information with someone else. Yeah, for sure. Because especially as a black man, man, there's so much things that we lack. We lack, Just bro. humanly, like, you know, just... I didn't understand about being present at one time in my life. Yeah. I didn't know understand about, you know, the different. I didn't understand about empathy. Like I didn't understand about Real grace. Like, I'm just learning these things the past five years of my life because I was looking for empathy, mm -hmm. looking for grace, and I didn't know I wasn't giving it out myself. Mm. So me learning how to be in this thing and live in the presence of these things, now I'm understanding the importance of it. Wow. Because I was taught to be a savage. I was taught to cut that man. Stop. Stop. Mm -hmm. Gone. Yeah. Now I'm like, yo, oh, you don't have the proper information. This is why you're doing some of this stuff. Now I'm not giving no pass with them up that actually get I'm the information, don't do nothing yeah. with it. But, but like you said, though, man, and it's a fine line. I think, you know, I think when you mentioned about, you know, being a man um, and, you know, who we are, we, it's, it's, that, it's that tuggle, it's that fight, it's that, I wanna, I wanna unleash that lion. So sometimes that's all we know. That's, that's it. That's all I got. Right. And, um, being able to 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 tame it and not let it out is take just as much energy as it is to. So it's just like you say, finding that balance. You said that earlier today. Um, I think that's what we own, but what we not finna do no more is not 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 bask in this in this in this in this light that we've earned. Mm. So you know, again, I'm I'm just trying to die imp. I'm trying to give as much gain, put as many people as I can on because again. That is the reason why I'm sending this table, why I've been able to have a hustler's testimony. It ain't been because I've been selfish. Mm. It's been because I've been selfless, right? I, like I say, I watch, you know, so many people, you know, my dad's crew, my mama friends helped raise us. They were there. If they didn't put people on, if they didn't see the value in doing that, then, you know, so it starts generationally. And, you know, it, it really is on us. And that next generation, they need us. So... They got me. I'm finna go all in. You can tap in, and I'm gonna uh, make sure we we give as much as we can. All right, my brother. My brother, thank you. God bless. Good night. Yes, sir.